Reconstructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. y'all so uh welcome to this uh uh special war room presentation on uh, on this great sunday night welcome uh, brothers and sisters and uh, the title of this message the title of this message is called the first blast of the trumpet against the power religionist uh, as it may be as it may be so uh let's get right into a quote uh by my uh, by my good sister uh nancy uh, nancy luke and the nancy and nancy luke's quote goes like this if they can't tell the difference between the raging feminists they see at the abortion clinics and gay parades and a Christian woman who claims the priesthood of all believers, then let the fire fall. Then let the fire fall. So the weaker vessel is going to appeal to heaven and claims the priesthood of all believers. And the stronger vessel say, sure, yeah, you're part of the priesthood. You know, we're just a little bit higher up on that priesthood by divine right, don't you know? And the battle lines are drawn, and look, you better find yourself on the right side. And this is literally life or death, blessing or cursing. And for the abolitionists listening to this, it is uh, absolutely crucial in the fight. Both sides will claim to be swinging at the root. And I invite you now to examine the claims, because there is absolutely, under no circumstances, any neutrality whatsoever. War Room Presentation. Let's go ahead and, uh, and start with Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 8. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord God has commanded me, says Moses, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear these statutes, will say, Surely, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For when we call upon them, and what when we call upon him, and what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as the law that I have set before you today? That is the reaction of the people. When they see the law of God in action, when they see justice established for the weaker vessel, for the least in society. You see, most Christians really have no idea, and this is due to a truncated Gnostic uh, view of the gospel uh, called pietism. And they have no idea that the Christian life, the life of an individual and community that follows the word of God as the standard, uh, will be repu- they have the idea they have this idea that this that this life will be repulsive the Christian life will be repulsive to the unsaved and that they won't want anything the unsaved won't want anything whatsoever to do with it at any point and that the pagans will hate such a life with every single fire fiber of their being and reject it at every single point 
Now, that's, uh, we're just a small minority of sojourners living counterculturally and showing the world things that it never wants to see and it never will accept and that it will reject at all points. And this will happen until God throws everything in the fire at the end. You know, as Psalm 110, it normally is interpreted, interpreted in American churchianity. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until the whole ship sinks. You know, this, this view in itself is, of course, judgment. It is, of course, a, a part of the blindness on the American church landscape for her multitude of ethical, judicial violations against the law of God, specifically as they pertain to the treatment of the least of these in society. Spoken of by Jesus as the barometer for blessing and cursing in Matthew 25. And Christ is very, very, very plain about this. Our king did not stutter. As American Christians, we have not had a very good record when it comes to the least of these, the weaker vessels charged by our king to protect and establish justice for, uh, you know, that they would have a much harder time establishing for themselves. Uh, We've been very wicked servants in this regard, and uh, the vineyard bears that fruit. An irrefutable fact of history this is. Even the most seething critic of this talk uh, would be foolish to deny. Uh, from, from black slaves to preborn babies, across the whole spectrum, at the very least, we as Christians in this line of covenantal responsibility before God have innocent blood dripping, dripping from our fingertips. We're all guilty to some extent or another. This, the saying, repent with us, whether overt participation like the Southern Presbyterian minister, uh, Robert L. Dabney's justification of black chattel slavery as a biblical slavery in the late 1800s, using the scroll of heaven as a blanket for the deeds of hell, and his contemporary counterpart, Peter Hammond, teaching the segregation of the marriage bed to preserve the separate but equal of the races. Now, you know, some animals are always going to be more equal than others, right? You know? We're going to hate egalitarianism, so it's definitely going to be some kind of pyramid up and down, right? By the way, if anybody thinks that Dabney slash Hammond uh, parallel is unfair, uh, Hammond doesn't. He's publicly stated very recently that he's not teaching anything different than Robert L. Dabney. Yes, you know, from the overt level to the more subtle forms in the category of silent complicity with evil, which are just as treacherous because they appear more normal. Thus validating and history hardly ever records them, such as uh, speaking on the same platform, for example, with a Dabney or a Hammond. Uh, I guess the middle of the two extremes between, uh, uh, you know, a Robert Dabney or or, or a Hammond and, uh, you know, the the person who would speak on the same platform with them would be the organizers of the conference, maybe. Either way, uh, we're all guilty. We are all guilty. Uh, As an aside, some think it's ridiculous to expect conference organizers to know everything their speakers believe. However, when it comes to something so beyond the pale as cursing godly marriages as a betrayal of God, calling good evil godly parents adulterers, and the rising generation of arrows bastards by implication. Well, you know, such an excuse is asinine, to put it lightly. Conference organizers know very well how to vet their speakers to meet their agenda whether godly or otherwise. And when they find something that is totally against their agenda in one of their speakers, 
even it's a, if it's only, a, let's just say, a point zero 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 one percent of what they teach, they will be off the schedule, a lickety split. Mark my words, personal experience. Now back to the message at hand. As American Christians, we are covenantally guilty of mass scale injustice against the least of these in society. Justifying the power against the weaker vessels and turning a blind eye to their abuse, enslavement, torture, and massacre. Thus, we have this blindness where we think that the reason that we have no influence in the culture, now get this, that's good tea, where we think that the reason we have no influence in the culture whatsoever is because of our holiness. Imagine that. The word of God says the absolute opposite. When justice for the least is established according to the law of God, which is always, 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 always slanted toward the weaker vessel because of their vulnerability in this world of sin, that the onlookers would see it and rejoice and say, wow, surely this is a wise and understanding people. The reason the pagans are saying that. As the Romans pagans, for example, uh, 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 the reason why the pagans in our culture, for example, are not saying that, as the Roman pagans would seek out the uh, underground Christian courts for justice in the early centuries, for example, is not because we're so holy and righteous that the evil world, which belongs to Satan, hates us, but because God has removed our lampstand because of our false power religion of Moloch, you know, the strong sacrificing the weak for the good of the collective which we have practiced instead of embracing the true religion of the ethics of Yahweh in literally every sphere of life. Service to the least is service unto Jesus himself. Now, therefore, our influence is, is gone. The city on the hill with the lights out, the lampstand snatched up, and you can see the carnage that's in the land, the birds of the air just pecking the flesh off the carcasses over 100 million pre-born babies as an appetizer for their upcoming feast on the multitude of ravaged bodies of the power religionists themselves. As Nancy Luke said, if that is indeed the case, that we can't recognize the difference between a raging feminist outside of an abortion mill and a woman claiming, a Christian woman claiming the priesthood of all believers, then indeed, Lord, let the fire fall. You know, so blind are we, so totally under the covenantal sanctions that even some of our strongest activists and warriors in the fight against the abortion holocaust and advocates for the cause of the preborn would simultaneously adopt some of the most egregious, repulsive pagan teachings against women from past areas of blindness in history as their very own. Yes, the very women that we seek to win the hearts of, that they seek to win the hearts of outside of these abortion bills to convince them to sacrifice their own selfish desires and not sacrifice their children to Moloch's abortion industry. They hold some of the most outrageous, offensive, and downright pagan teachings against and really think the reason why they're being called regressive and being flipped off by the culture in general is because their teachings are so holy and righteous? For example, Scottish reformer John Knox published a despicable work in 1558 called The First Blast of the Trumpet Against the Monstrous Regiment of Women. In his otherwise reasonable fight against the tyrannical pagan Catholic Queen Bloody Mary, 
It doesn't take a history student to know who she was. Look, uh, Knox's track focused on gender rather than ethics. Because that's what power religion is doing. Knox had quite a bit of power religion in the fiber of his being, along with whatever light God had granted. Look, to a power religionist, to ID one of these power religionists, you'll know them. Because they think their authority comes from their ontology, their being, their, their physical ethics. A physical trait separating them, top down, kingdom of Satan style, instead of ethics, service to the least, bottom up. Kingdom of God, who is the greatest in the kingdom? He who serves the least of these. That's how you get authority in the kingdom of God. You know, recommend, look, I recommend very highly an Acts to the Root that we have uh, by my man Bojadar Marinov titled the To the Least Among You versus Power Religion uh, to get up to speed with kind of the details of this case. I'm not going to focus too much on it. For power religionists, which is merely the old paganism, it's always a physical trait, like we said, that defines the caste system and establishes the wicked hierarchy of Satan, where the more powerful oppress the less powerful in the stations of life below them. There are many manifestations of this, and at Recon Radio, we have been face-to-face in battle with at least three major ones over the past year. It is always some form of physical trait, which just so happens, just by chance, this physical trait happens to be possessed by the strong, and it is claimed as their divine right of authority and rulership over the weak. Physicalism. So, I have white skin, and therefore I'm blessed by God as the sons of Jephthah to take the land for Christ, or, uh, you know, that's the, the, the Kenneth, the Peter Hammond crowd, or I have ordination papers, and they're from my denomination, which clearly establish my authority in this local church. You will respect God's ordained hierarchy and submit to my mandatory counsel for your life. And that would be the mandatory uh, local church membership tyrants or uh, ecclesiocrats, if, uh, as we affectionately call them, of course. Uh, when, look, when we oppose them, they call us rebels and disobedient to God. It's what all power religionists do. You know, uh, I, when, when we disobey the divine right of kings, the king is going to say, wait a second, that's my divine right of rulership. This is, this is nothing new under the sun. We oppose them. They're going to call us rebels and disobedient to God as, as power religionists do. You know, God has given them now their station in life. Uh, you don't respect my authority as a man and a pastor, bellowed one of them at Liz Sachs, one of our own members of the barnstorming female soldier squad at Recon Radio called the Monstrous Regiment. I know you're listening, Liz. What's up, sister? You know, the Monstrous Regiment, they chose this title specifically as a defiance uh, to, uh, to Knox's own tyranny. Uh, it was on her Facebook post this last week. If someone wants to find it and put it in the comment section, if anyone has a, you know screenshots or whatever on like this, we were we were tripping on it at the beginning, <laughs> beginning of last week. Um, it was on her Facebook post. Um, you know, uh, Liz's stand against this uh, this male religious club officer, should we call him, uh, avid abortion activist by by the way, you know, and John Knox fan, was indeed rebellious. You're not ex- you're not. You're not uh, respecting my authority as a man and a pastor. A pastor. You can you can kind of like imagine the way he said it in his own head. You know, 
man and pastor. You know, hmm, she's not ex- respecting the authority. All but sister, all but sister, you know. If only you would understand your station in life, what God has granted me with, right? And yeah, so Liz was, uh, was defiant against that and uh, rebellious against that, uh, uh, wouldn't you say? But however, Liz's rebellion, uh, praise the Lord, was 100% in line with the word of God. Oh, that feels good. Oh, that feels good. Look, Liz's rebellion, this woman, this weaker vessel, her rebellion to this man saying, I am a man and a pastor and I'm not seeing what's coming to me due to those titles, due to those physical circumstances, due to my station in life. Liz's stand against this male religious club boss was rebellion and it was obedience to God. As someone great once said, and we all echo, Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. I'll leave the identity of Liz's interlocutor uh, uh, obscure as, you know, uh, this male isn't really worth a mention, mentioning for the present purposes. Um, you know, how about patriarchalism? You know, popularized and disguised as Christian during the humanistic Enlightenment era. This kind is specifically of patriarchalism. Let's, let's not get it confused with anything else you'd have. Now, I'll define my terms. I'll define my terms. My possession of a penis makes me, by God's holy order, since being male, I am the first image bearer, and my wife is a secondary derivation of the image of God, but of course, you know, higher than the rest of the animals, you know. Therefore, I am the disputed ruler of this household. You'll submit to my authority, my headship, my granted caste in life, as of God, and deal with it. And you're equal. You know, just some animals are a little bit more equal than others. The pigs are a little bit higher than the dogs, and so on and so forth. If you don't recognize that, you know, how about, uh, how about the kissing cousin of, uh, of patriarchy? You know, the uh, modern feminist movement. It might be more familiar to you all. Uh, perhaps you've even heard it outside of an abortion mill as we soldier on outside there against the evil of our age. It, it goes like this. My body, my choice. My body, my choice. My body, my choice. I am a woman. If you don't have a uterus, you can't have an opinion on an abortion. I am in control of my own situation. Therefore, it is I that decide whether it is a fetus or a baby, whether it lives or dies. Notice who the weaker vessel is in this particular situation. The woman is exercising her own power religion. Rights against her own preborn child. You know, we, we could go on and on, but you should have it somewhat in focus by now. Thanks for the tea. Shout out to uh, uh, Misty Salon, my beautiful wife, for the tea and uh, for putting up with me uh, lately. I haven't been the uh, I haven't been the happiest of uh, of campers with everything that goes on uh, that's been going on. So anyway. Uh, you know, you might have it. You might have it in focus. You might have it in focus now. Um, you know, and you might have have the rest of my talk and what I'm going to say all lined up in your head. You know, if you've been following the situation at hand closely, but I might have a curveball for you at the end. So uh, bear with me, uh, especially uh, maybe some of the more hostile minds that are out there. And do what I can, you know, to uh, to to uh, to convince y'all, to to reason with you. 
Look, now, now, uh, now back to uh, John Knox's despicable work. In 1558, in his otherwise reasonable fight against the tyrannical pagan Catholic Queen Bloody Mary and how it applies to our situation on the ground. Again, the title of this filthy document was The First Blast of the Trumpet Against the Monstrous Regiment of Women. Uh, in it, he makes, this is John Knox now, in it he makes the following indisputably power religionist claims against women using the Bible as justification. Just to name a few. This is this is not going to be a hard one. And unless you're really, really, really under that blindness, I'm not expecting anybody, really, I don't have any names in my head, in my hand, in my head, that would say that you would not understand this is power religion. That coming from John Knox here, of course, okay? Um, yeah, nobody that we know personally. Here are the claims. That women, these just among a few, but I, I just picked three really disgusting ones because we have a lot to get through. Uh, that women were made with less of the image of God than man, and just a little bit more than the animals. Uh, that women were, as a rule, foolish, mad, and frenetic, to say nothing of sick and impotent. That God had to work a miracle to make Deborah capable of judging Israel. This is John Knox now, against uh, Queen Bloody Mary. And uh, um, are you furious yet? Does that make you mad? If Knox said it? Or how about, if, uh, how about if your wife was arguing with some chauvinistic jerk on Facebook and he told her this, women as a rule now are foolish, mad, and frenetic. To say nothing of sick and impotent, would that make your blood boil? Better yet, put yourself in the position of an unsafe. Listen to me now. Follow with me now. Come on. This is important. This is really important here. I'm telling you, man, the fire of God burns against this power religion, man. I am telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you. Uh, put yourself in the position of an unsaved young woman in college, taking a theology class. That's who we're trying to talk to. That is who we're trying to reach. In a liberal college, in a liberal theology class with a liberal professor. And this liberal professor has an agenda. And he gets behind his podium and he uses Knox to prove that the Bible is a knuckle-dragging old springboard of patriarchalist bigotry. And this young lady is furious in her head. And she hears Knox claim that women were made with less of the image of God than men and just a little bit more than the animals. What's going through her mind and heart, do you surmise? You think our hypothetical young college student who's really not that hypothetical at all and we all know it? those of us that have been active in the battle? You think she's thinking like, like it says in Deuteronomy 4, praising God for his law of liberty? What a wise and understanding people. She's saying, no, what kind of God is that? I would never serve a God like that. Never serve a... No way! She's fuming. Because paganism and power religion tenets being proclaimed over her mind in the guise of biblical truth. How infuriating is that, saints? How infuriating is that? Now, now, this is just a liberal professor in a college class that's using Knox straight up. It's using Knox straight up. For the understatement of the ages, that's the way that Satan likes it. He likes to make Christianity look like a knuckle-dragging old garbage religion that no wise and understanding people would ever, ever, ever put into practice. And that is exactly what is going through our young college student's head. It's masquerading in the guise of biblical truth at all, even in the guise of defying tyrants 
even in the guise of defiant tyrants. Hmm. Our hypothetical pagan college student hmm. would be just as angry now as Elizabeth I, who succeeded Bloody Mary on the English throne and was a supporter of the Protestant cause, but for some weird reason she didn't like John Knox as much as some of our churchmen in America romanticize him today. She was personally opposed to him. Can you imagine that, of this female ruler, Elizabeth I, being opposed to John Knox? Why would she be opposed to somebody that just wrote that about women? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, come on, right? And, and she's a friendly, right? She's, she's Protestant, right? You know, um, you know, so she became an obstacle to Knox's direct involvement with the Protestant cause in England after 1559. Now, I wonder why. I mean, Knox wrote some great other stuff, to be sure. Uh, about rebellion against tyranny, and it could have been very, very useful to Elizabeth I. He was a sharp wit and a brave soul. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. What kind of leader doesn't need one of those around? Is Elizabeth I stupid? Does she need a miracle? Maybe it's because Elizabeth was just as pissed off as the guy seeing that talk, seeing someone talk to his wife like that on Facebook would have been, and he outright rejected the idea that she needed a miracle to be performed by God did on, like, like God did on Deborah in order for her to perform her duties as a magistrate. You think that might have been the better call? That's what I think. It's up to you. You make the call. If she might be, I think she might have been just as mad as that college student who would verbally, listen to me now, she would have been just as mad as that college student who would verbally reject Christ at that moment in that very classroom. Verbally. Verbally reject Christ in that very classroom. And swear to herself that she would never live by the rules of such a God. Then head down to the murder mill about ten months later to sacrifice her own unwanted child to Moloch. Is this coming into focus a little better now? Why Recon Radio would be so adamant in opposing this stuff, even if it means the loss of our entire listenership and very few likes on our Facebook posts exposing this Knox brand power religion manifestation when it rears its ugly head from within the very abolitionist movement that we're a part of ourselves, right to the very top of it? With a public figure no less very beloved by the majority of those who would ever think to give us a donation. Someone I looked up to with great esteem, only slightly over a year back when I abandoned my own climb up the ministry industrial complex ladder, my position as an heir to a well-known pro-life organization, and my profitable place behind the podium at packed-out conferences to become a nobody in a mostly unknown movement that can rarely gather 300 people in the same place at the same time. That esteemed public figure is Matt Trujillo who has used his great oratory skills. And they're good. He's sharp. He's nice up there. He's nice. He's got that kind of old man swag. He's good. He's good. I, I, he's good. You know, he, he's used his great oratory skills to repackage that same defy tyrant message that Knox hit the scene with back in the 1500s. The majority of Knox's content is fire. Of course, the majority of Matt Truella's content is fire. You can check it out at defytyrants.com. Trujella operating in the spirit of Knox, calling for disobedience to magistrates that won't align themselves with God law. We defy the Supreme Court. We're calling for the establishment of justice now. We defy tyranny right now. We'll ignore Roe. That's what's up. Indeed, that is what's up.
That is definitely what's up. Unfortunately, as also been recently discovered, and the evidence was right in plain sight for quite some time, Trujillo is also a Noxian patriarchalist to the fullest of extents, embracing the entire orb, the full orb of his mentor from antiquity. As it turns out, the Defy Tyrant's guy is functioning in large part as the first tyrant that must be defied. That power religionist portion of the orb must go. It must go. Ask our hypothetical college student. It must go to abolish abortion. That, that college student, let me tell you, she didn't, she didn't reject that message in the classroom because it was so holy. And that liberal professor knew exactly what to say to her and exactly who to use because it is exactly the opposite of justice for the weaker vessel and she would be repulsed by it. This power religionist portion of the orb must go. It must go for abortion to be abolished. One will not happen without the other. It doesn't matter whose name is on the back of the jersey. Because it is a form of human sacrifice in itself. The worst form. The weaker vessel sacrificed for the strong. Well, really, what other form is there? It's the sacrifice of that college student in that liberal theology class before she sacrificed her own child. How do we know that Trujillo is a Noxian patriarchalist? How do we know these things? How did we come up with this idea? Are we just thinking about people to just nail to the wall at Recon Radio? Do we not care at all? No, we serve not a common cause or not a common man or not a common public figure, but a common king. Yet we, even though we had Trujillo's works in our library for the longest time, and to my knowledge still do, you know, it's, it's this, this is tough, man. A lot of people think, you know, this is just easy stuff. You know, oh, yeah, they're out there with their pitchforks and all that other kind of stuff there. You know, even the foolish suggestion that we're doing this in some kind of way to gain popularity, as if <laughs> we're abolitionists. We're, most of us are AHA abolitionists. You don't go against it. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that the... But on the worst part of it, it's sad. It's, it's, it's really sad. It's really sad, man. It's sad. Well, the question is not how do we know that Knox, that, that, that Trujillo is a Noxian patriarchalist, but, but how did we not know and confront this earlier? And it took a very strange series of events to get here. But God is bringing it to our plate to deal with it, and now here it is. In his sermon, titled A Refutation of the Debased Theology of a Monstrous Regiment of Christian Feminists, which was recently posted in the abolitionist group, presumably now, watch how this presuppositionally works, right? Presumably by a patriarchalist abolitionist who has not very much enjoyed Reconstructionist Radio's charge into battle against this form of power religion in the past nine months or so, and hates our female our female warrior podcast uh, team, the Monstrous Regiment. Hats off, y'all are y'all are dope, man. This guy hated them, and he post so. This guy posted the sermon by Matt Trujillo called A Refutation of the Debased Theology of the Monstrous Regiment of Christian Feminists, kind of like in there, I guess, as a, as a, as a knock against a Monstrous Regiment warriors. Right? This, so this, this, this Trujillo sermon contains the following affirmations of John Knox in the garbage document 
garbage document that got his influence in England, England is extinguished when there was still much work that he could have done. As an important aside, his, his influence with Elizabeth I, at least, let me be clear. As, as an important aside, what we will see from Trujillo here has got to be one of the most classic examples, and this is important to realize. We're trying to learn from this now. We don't want to be prideful unless uh, we, we fall. Um, it, this has to be one of the most classic examples that we can note related to our theme for the upcoming X-Wing podcast of what happens when conservatives hear leftist power religion, especially feminism, uh, and instead of striking it right down the middle with the axe to the root, uh, right on the ethical judicial line, they take the bait from Satan, they take the bait from the leftists and run as far to the right, as far to the other extreme as possible. And both are, of course, pagan to the core, and this glaring trap is seen on almost every issue. You know, you got the status with the aprons on the left and the status with the military uniforms on the right, and it's all the pagan state, even if you put Christian or biblical in front of it, like Christian feminism or biblical patriarchy. It's all the pagan state. It's all the power religion. It's all the pyramid up and down with feminism, my body, my choice, with patriarchy, my penis, my rule. It's all power religion from the top and the down. Listen as the light breaks in. If this isn't familiar from your teachings in your churches, listen up, man. We don't, we don't serve a common cause. We don't serve people. We serve a common king. Take these things to the throne. If this is wrong, if what I'm saying is wrong right now, I don't want it to be. I don't want to embrace ideas that are wrong. Come on now. Look, in our defense, in our defense of leftism, or as in Christians in our culture, we have tried to be just as opposite as possible. But instead of refusing to let the enemy dictate our moves, you know, we say, this is what, look, we should refuse to let the enemy dictate our moves and instead say, not right wing, not left wing, but X wing. That's the upcoming X wing podcast, of course. So, now, this is true hell. Direct quotes from the sermon. Preached against, of course, no other than a Christian feminist theologian. So, quote number one. You know John Knox, the great reformer, did a publication entitled The First Blast of the Trumpet Against a Monstrous Regiment of Women, and it is a great work. It is excellent. I'm going to refrain from commentary. How do we know that the woman was a secondary derivation? Well, because she was created second. Duh. Matruella. These verses show us that male and female are equally made in the image of God. And here he's quoting his opponent, who's saying that they're equal. Male and female. Created equally. Not androgynous like the straw man goes. No, no. Created equal. Equal under God. Equal self-government capacities. Not one self-government coming down on another. Pyramid. Priest of all believers, Doc. I ask you this, he says, in reaction to that. Listen to me now. Where does God say that? Where does God say that male and female were equally created in his image? Nowhere does it say that. The Christian feminists are imposing that upon the text. Matruhella. Now I ask you, here's another quote. Now I ask you, what was the point being made in Scripture when it says a helper suitable or comparable to Adam? That a woman was equal to man in creation? Or was it that 
all the other animals God had created were not suitable. Emphasis, all the other animals. And if you listen to the sermon, which we've posted, listen to the emphasis on those words. There is no hiding it. There is no mistaking it. God had created all the other animals God had created were not suitable. But woman was. I submit to you, the context was clear. The woman was declared the suitable helper because all the other animals weren't suitable. That is the clear point of the passage. Not that woman is equal to man. Again, Matt Trujillo. The point of the passage is clear. Cows wouldn't work. It doesn't make sense. It needed to be someone else. And woman is the comparable, suitable helper for man. Amen. Hallelujah. Whoa. You think that'll preach to that young college student? You think she's rejecting that because it's the holy, righteous law of God? As my boy Carrie Appling said, I'll try to remember this, this quote. Um, it, when he was commenting on this, this is what this is what that young college liberal college student would think if 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 they heard Matt Matruhella on that. Hey, you know, can't stick it in an animal. Might as well uh, cut your rib out and create a new hole. That's exactly, that's exactly, exactly what they would receive and what they would think. The entire sermon has been posted on the very page that you're watching this right now. So you can go there next and listen for yourself. Now, not that these quotes need any extra commentary or there could be any more context that needed to make them better or worse as they stand on their own. But I offer this. Listen to me now. Can you think of any more repulsive, reprehensible, more giant of a barrier to put between us and the American culture at large when it comes to them receiving our message for justice and the lordship of Jesus Christ in every single area of life and justice for the weaker vessels? Could you shoot yourself in the foot with a more giant bazooka? And, and look, I mean, when you, when you check it out, it's done. It's done with such ardent and ardor and fervor. I submit to you that the context is clear. The woman was declared the suitable helper because all the other animals weren't suitable. That is the clear point of the passage. Not that woman is equal to man. Oh, and by the way, don't murder your baby by abortion. Wow. Blindness. Blindness. Covenantal sanctions. Lord, help us. Lord, help us that this is even a debate, that this is even a, this is more, this is more embarrassing than addressing the Dabney situation. We, we have, we have a talk. I was you know, forced to give a talk on the Dabney situation with uh, our Hammond's, Hammond Dabney, same thing. Speaker in the upcoming Mars conference, racist speaker, condemns godly marriages as, 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 as adultery and, and, and things like that, you know, because of, skin, uh, because of skin color. This, frankly, is more embarrassing than that. And with this one, at least I never shared any Peter Hammond stuff. With this one, Matt Trujillo's stuff is all over Joe Salant's page. All over Joe Salant's page. So all some college student that I'm debating with out on the street trying to win or something like that, all they have to do, and I'm not, deba- I'm not deleting anything, all they have to do is one click and then another click, and then they get this. That's what we're dealing with. That's why we're not winning. Man. You kidding me? 
God can't move that. God's not going to move that forward. You can't take the land with that. You know, surely when, when the unsaved in our countryside reject this and, and fail to have the Deuteronomy 4 type of, type of uh, surely this is a wise and understanding group of Christians type of reaction, whose fault is that? Is it because the Noxian patriarchalist view triumphantly exposed by Truhella is too biblical and holy for these evil worldlings? Or is it because the justice of God, which has been perverted just as bad as the worst liberal college professors when they quote Knox verbatim, to push rising minds away from the truth, which is more damaging, a conservative quoting these words from Knox or a liberal? Well, I would submit the former. With the liberal, you could at least get, oh, well, there's got an agenda. The, the conservative saying, this is what's up. And that, that student's like, heck no. Heck no. And that barrier is one of, that's a pagan barrier. It, it is a power religion barrier. It is a barrier that must be removed to abolish abortion. You know, of course, uh, you know, there are some things, don't get me wrong now, don't, don't straw man this thing. I see what you're thinking, like the schemers, the, uh, I see what you're thinking, check me out. So look, you know, there are some times when pagans want, you know, don't want purity and holiness, and that's why they reject God. You know, they want to wear their, you know, uh, uh, you know, disgusting like booty shorts and all that other kind of stuff. They want to, you know, go out there and, you know, live a life of drugs and all that, you know, pleasing self and they just hate God okay you know there is those things right they want to go to strip clubs you know that's true is this one of those is this one the example we're discussing right here do you think this is one of those or is this one of the worst example of American conservatives flushing everything they hold dear down the toilet thinking it's a good move thinking that opposition to it opposition to it is the heresy hmm. wow that's blindness. That's the kind of blindness on the wrong side of Deuteronomy 28. That's the kind of blindness that was opposing the prophet Jeremiah when he was saying, no, there's going to be no peace. There's going to be no peace until there's justice for the least. And the prophets were saying, peace, peace. That's the kind of blindness. It's that kind of blindness. It's that kind of blindness. And we're going to cover that a ton in the upcoming X-Wing podcast. There are, there are bushels and bushels and bushels of those examples. This one hits very close to home. This one is very, very tough to deal with. This one could reduce our listenership by three quarters. Whatever. It is, it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, look at the culture for proof. Look at the culture for proof. The scorecard doesn't lie. The scorecard does not lie. We have a common line that we use in memes and literature as an abolitionist weapon. And I'm getting close to wrapping this up. Y'all are smart enough where you don't need me to finish this. But there's something I want to tell you at the end. So please, please, hang with your boy, okay? Hang with your boy. All right? There's, we have a common line we use in memes and, and literature as an abolitionist weapon. That we're not at war with abortion, but with the worldview that makes abortion possible to begin with. And that the worldview is as old as the fall and has many names that we must oppose to abolish abortion. We're not at war with abortion, we're at war with this worldview. From the old paganisms where the ancient cultures sacrificed their weaker vessels, babies, and prostituted their women for the blessing of the collective in temples, and you know, to the modern manifestations of the power religion that we have discussed above and others throughout history in every single sphere of life. But power religion is a good word and good term, and it sums it all up. Listen closely. 
You are not going to abolish abortion while practicing power religion. No matter how many pamphlets you pass out, no matter how many Dan Fishers we get up for the gubernatorial race, no matter how many giant political tracts we can send out into the system to try to upset the Moloch state, it just simply does not work like that. You cannot cast out human sacrifice with human sacrifice. As long as power religion is mixed in with the religion of ethics, you will have the high places that brought doom on Israel. For example, contrary to the quadfold, the quadfold we use as abolitionists, that says they never thought that chattel slavery would be abolished. Contrary to that quadfold, chattel slavery, listen to me now, black chattel slavery has never been abolished. It has never, it has never, it has never been abolished. It merely shifted. It merely shifted. Look at the prison industrial complex. Black chattel. One out of three black males will be declared a criminal by the arbitrary rule of the pagan state, outside of the authority of the law of God, by the subjective whims of the collective in power, the power religionists, and $300 a head to siphon through the system in a crony capitalist uh, scheme, a pyramid, uh, uh, pyramid scheme, $300 per prisoner while the uh, pagan state raises the children in hell holes in the inner city that they call schools. Chattel slavery is merely shifted. It's the religion of death. We don't serve a schizophrenic God. We must serve Yahweh or serve Baal. If it's good to serve Baal, then go serve him. If it's good to serve Yahweh, then go serve him. But realize... There is no neutrality in this whatsoever. And to abolish abortion, we must swing the roots, swing the axe to the roots specifically, which is and has always been power religion. Famous tree that we see in a beautiful drawing by a very talented abolitionist has that tree with the roots that dig down and the roots say sin. More specifically defined. We would see in those roots power, religion, not you know, Christian feminism. It's a form of power. That would be like one of the roots. Christian feminism would be like one of the roots. Then you have patriarchalism. Then you'd have uh, uh, you know uh, proactive law enforcement. Then you would have all sorts of different roots just going brah, like all the way down. That's what that tree should look like. That's what that tree should look like. And there is no possible way. That you're going to water those roots. And then abolish abortion. Abortion is low-hanging fruit that could slosh on the toes of even the most dim-witted ecclesiocrat that uses their papers instead of their gifting from God as their ticket in the ministry industrial complex. It's, it's not very, look, even pro-lifers now are saying, we say pro-lifers don't call it murder. The majority of pro-lifers out there have no problem whatsoever calling abortion murder. Seriously. The majority of them out there, they'll call it murder. Don't lie to yourself, abolitionists. This is low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. The humanistic schools, the incubation centers for the rising minds, 
Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. All power religion. All power religion. As long as this power religion holds sway, there will be no justice for the weaker vessels. And without that pure, unadulterated justice appeal applied to hack down all the high places, every single one of the high places, that college student will smell a rat. She, she's smart now. Let's call her Jane. You know, Jane, that liberal college student that, that, that committed that abortion, that, that murdered her own child after she heard her college professor quote John Knox in that class after she went to that party and, and did something that she knew really yeah, she shouldn't have done, right? And she's going, ah, well, I kind of love him, whatever, you know? You know, she's smart. She's smart. And unless we're consistent, unless we are consistent in every single area of life, she will sniff it out and she'll say, you hypocrites, you blind guides. You think because you have a certain anatomy structure, it grants you power over my life? That's what she'll say. <laughs> and the best of our reformed theologians, the majority of them, We'll, we'll say, yes, absolutely, ma'am. That's what we mean. Respect God's order or respect my divine right of king rulership. Moloch means king. The fire of God burns against this and the fire will fall. And the fire will fall. So what's our goal in regard to Matruhella specifically? Well, a ton of motives have been... You know, attributed to to, to, our, to us and, and, you know, like a ton of motives. Um, here's what we're telling you it is. Repentance and course correction. We have all had our battles against idols, victories, and defeats. So, Joe Salant, I have, I'll tell you an embarrassing story. I, I, I have a video out there where this is right after Donald Trump got elected. Uh, I have a video out there where I am, and I worked very hard to go across the country uh, to speak to pastors and to rally pastors, and I was really convinced it was the right thing to do, uh, to get them to vote Republican and to get them to put, put Donald Trump in office. And there's tons of footage of me out there doing it. Um, I have a video, like, it's the most conservative, idolatrous, like, cringeworthy video ever, where, like, the idolatry is just dripping from it, just dripping from it. I call, it's called a respite for revival. Go ahead, check it out. Uh, Check it out. It's, it is what it is. This is less than, this, you know, I, I, this True Hell Sermon is from a long time ago. This is less than like a, it's like a year and three quarters. And, and it's professionally done. And there's like the American flag behind me and everything like that. And I'm like looking into the camera. You know what I mean? I, I have my, you know, teleprompter and everything. And, I, you know, I'm delivering this. And, you know, the, it's, it's just, you know, it costs a heck of a lot more to do than what I'm doing right now with, a, you know, an iPhone taped to a computer and this microphone right here. You know, all right. And um, goodness, check it out. This is what and, and I repent for that video. I repent. I became an abolitionist. I used to sit. I used to be on the podium with 1000 pastors in a room doing songs, giving like uh, uh, a short little motivational kind of things before the song, like the hype man sort of, right? I was like one of the rising guys that were going to try to make conservatism cool and stuff like that, you know? Man. And, and my people too I love those people I still love those people I mean good these ain't like corny dudes or anything like that these are good people who would look at who look at what's going on with uh, with with this patriarchalism stuff here and, and you know what the manifestations are in this is in 
they're, they use uh, the Help Me book from uh, uh, you know what, 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 what's their faces. Uh, you know, somebody put it in the uh, in the in the comment section. Whatever. You know, they, they, they use they use they they use that crap. You know, so they don't have much of an excuse on this one. Uh, you know, but they they looked at you know they're like Joe, you left us. Joe, you you left us. You said we were all compromised with our dispensationalism and our evangelical uh, idolatry and all this other kind of stuff. And you said this. And look at what some of you Reconstructionists are putting up with right now. You know, straight up. Deuteronomy 4, man. They're not impressed. They are not impressed. Yeah, the pearls. Thank you all. I appreciate that. They're not impressed. And they don't. And they shouldn't be. And they shouldn't be. Because we don't have it all. We don't have it together. We don't have it together to offer them. You want unity? You want some? You want some fake kind of unity where we like? Eh, you know what I mean? Like, no. We need consistency. We need consistency, not unity, not fake unity. We need three people being consistent over three thousand people being inconsistent and unified. Because you never take the land like that. If you're consistent, one will put a thousand to flight. But if you're syncretistic, psh. You'll be sent into confusion, believing stupid things like that liberal pagan college student is rejecting you because your message is holy. How insulting is that? So, yeah, like I repented for my video and I I repented of involvement with regulating murder in the pro-life complex. I did damage there. I did damage on the circuit and all that other kind of stuff. You know, and it costs, man. It does cost. You know, I thought they would keep me around. I mean, who doesn't need, you know, just the anti-federalist, libertarian theocrat, you know, right? He's just like your token one of those. You know, who doesn't need, well, you know, it turns out, I'm sure they still got love for me in my in their hearts as, as I love them and I still look up to them. I mean, I, I, I really do, especially a few of them uh, that are in my head that I want to put on blast here, you know. Um, great, great figures in my life. God did wonders showing me godliness you know, uh, and maturity, you know, with, with their, with their personal lives, their personal, not really what they believe all the way, but their personal lives, you know, it was a model for their dedication, their discipline led to their blessing and was just a huge, a huge thing. Um, anyway, um, sorry, I went on that. Uh, look, what do we want? We, 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 you know, when you, we want them to repent, you know, it, it'll cost, it'll cost. You'll, you'll look a little bit lower. You will uh, look like you don't have it all together. You'll look like, uh, you know, you'll, go, you'll be able to go back a year or two and see, like, you saying something completely different than you're saying right now. And there's like, who is this guy? You know, but it ain't about who this guy is. It's not about the name on the back of the jersey. It's about the, num- the, the name on the front of the jersey. We don't serve a common cause. We serve a common king. We want repentance and we want course correction. And we want it now. You know, um, if he repents with us, it's no big deal at all. And we're all part of the victory. You'll never defy the religion of power in the Supreme Court with your own religion of power. If you do, it'll merely shift, just like slavery. Just like slavery had that, we had the split in the old abolitionist movement where, uh, um, where there was compromise and, and, and just pure through and through uh, politics. You know, with uh, uh, Garrison on one side, I believe it was Frederick Douglass on the other, who just started trying to enlist people into the army because he wouldn't stand for women. History repeats. History does repeat if you don't learn from it. God's moving history forward, but history 
will repeat. If you're not, it will come back and smack you in the face like a boomerang if we refuse to learn from it. You'll never defy this, this tyrannical Supreme Court. And if you do successfully, it'll just snap back in another direction if you don't take the ax to every single root. You must display a religion of ethics in service to the least and justice for the weaker vessels in all spheres of life for the people to see the law of God in action. Have Deuteronomy 4 reaction and join your cause. To gain that college student, that's what you must do. And it's not too much to ask. And it won't happen otherwise. All you got to do is hashtag church repent. Hashtag repent with us. Hashtag let's be consistent. Hashtag consistency over fake unity. Hashtag I don't care if recon radio. I don't care if this talk puts us down. And you know what? It's not about Joe Salant. I know the rest of everybody on recon radio is behind me and saying that. If it's just us saying it and that is it. And that is it. And all we're doing is recording for the future generations and putting the record down. If that is all that we are doing at Recon Radio, and we have to spend all of our lives in this fight doing it, and we will die without a single convert, that is what we are going to fight doing. And God help us. God help us. God give us vision. God give us sight. God give us humility. God give us correction where we're wrong. God never allow us to put a public figure above our cause, above our king, or a cause above our king. It won't happen otherwise. It will be a losing battle. It will be a pro-life treadmill, if you will. Even worse than regulating abortion, because of the theological jargon and appeals to history that are accompanied. And listen, look, if your boy Joe Salant, you know, left, you know, the ministry industrial complex and, and you know, a nice... Uh, you know, career and life for my family and great people and great folks, warriors and all that kind of stuff. If 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 I if I left that, you know, because of the compromise of of, of regulating murder and the Republican Republican you know industrial complex uh, compromise and compromises and all that other kind of stuff and the stupid right left divide, you know, with paganism is both ways. If 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 I left that for that, I mean, as for me in my house. We ain't gonna. We ain't gonna stand in a in a th in a three hundred where it's hard to get three hundred people in the same place at the same time, and I'm a nobody and all that other kind of stuff. And we ain't getting no money or anything like that. Just, I mean, for the sake of what? What do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? You want to talk about? I mean, when we say things like we're whittling down the movement, that's funny to me. That's funny to me. I mean, look at the size of the whole thing of us, even if we were all unified. If you took all Christian Reconstructionists who would claim that name and all abolitionists who would claim that name and put them together, you could probably fit them in just, you know, just a regular size hotel auditorium. But if that regular size hotel auditorium is filled with consistent minded, consistent minded individuals, man, there's nothing that could stop them. And that's our vision. That's our vision. That's why this is so important to us at Reconstructionist Radio. Because if, 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 if this doesn't matter, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? If this stuff doesn't matter, if we don't have to get this right, why are we doing this? We have our own Deuteronomy 4, and I'll, I'll close with this in one special little thing here uh, that I must do. Uh, Deuteronomy 4 is... Uh, we have, we have a story inherent, inherent with our own monster, Monstrous Regiment podcast team. Uh, you know, <laughs> just a few months ago, 
Uh, half of the podcast team absolutely hated Christian Reconstructionists. They hated them. As much as I hate most Christian Reconstructionists now, right? They hated them, you know, uh, with a passion and a fury. And, and they were like, this is going to destroy the abolitionist movement. That was their opinion. And, uh, you know, now they're hosting a podcast with us. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Is it because they're all Christian Reconstructionists now? Is it because they agree with us on every single line or all this? Because we demand that? That's what we demand? Orthodoxy on every area? Recon radio? No. No. It's because when their friends abandoned them, when their friends turned their back on them, who they were laboring with, and forgive me, looked at the name on the back of the jersey instead of the front, and sacrifice the weaker vessel. We had their back. It was right. Right is right. I mean, we didn't necessarily know. And they didn't really hate us. Kate, you're right. They didn't really hate us. You know, it's a, a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, exaggeration on Joe Salon's part. I'm, I'm good for one or two of those in a video. Um, but they saw justice. They saw the fact that I, I saw them with a message. We saw them, not me. We saw them with a message. We said, whoa, Jason, Bo, Gordon, Russell, the rest. We, we, we saw, we said, whoa, look at this. Look at this. Justice for the weaker vessel. That's what this killed kill the lizard. Justice for the weaker vessel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, why aren't, why isn't anybody giving them a mic? They need a mic. No, heck no. I don't need to talk for them. Let me interview Kate Robinson. Let me interview Kate Robinson. Let her speak for herself. You know, let her speak. They, they, they got fire. Let her speak for herself. And then after that podcast was pretty much one of the most successful podcasts that we have ever done that killed the lizard with, uh, with Kate Robinson on war room. Man, we were like, we got to have them back. So it wasn't like they needed us. It was like, yo, we need them. Like, we, I was like, so what, I mean, what can we do? You know, Jason was the good, I think Jason was the one who came up with, hey, we got to have, you know, we got to have them on or whoever. I don't know. I don't want to give credit where it's not due. It doesn't matter who credit goes to. Uh, we got to have them on. And uh, they joined, you know, with, you know, some Christian Reconstructionist ladies. And, oh, man, man, Monsters Regiment got fired. And oh man, the ecclesiocrats and patriarchalists and power religionists are so mad at us. We have a Facebook page with 1.5, with 1.5, that 1.5K, listen to, listen to me now, 1.5K likes on it. And boy, you would, the way they come after us would be worse than, I mean, you gotta, they're always on there. All the power religionists. And so look, if you power, we want you on there. And when you come on there though, if we don't get to your comment immediately, and if you have more hates on our page than there's likes or whatever, oh, forgive us. You know, I mean, we just the rebels in the cave, right? You know, we're just the rebels in the cave. We can't win. What do we have business for in the fight? I guess we all kind of, Represent the weaker vessel in some sense at uh, Recon Radio, but you better watch out when you know that you're weak and you know that you can't do anything apart from God. And there is no possible way that you can carry inconsistency and still get away with it and all that other kind of stuff. I'm telling you, watch out. That's when the fire of God comes. Ask the Monsters Regiment about Deuteronomy 4 applied to that, to that situation. Ask them. Ask them.
Ask them. And to the accusation that we are in some way trying to usurp the abolitionist movement or some kind of thing like that, uh, which uh, I don't know if it's been bandied around that much. I think I saw it. Forgive me if it's not. I don't want to like go ahead and create a straw man if not. So pardon Joe Salant in advance. To that accusation, I say how absolutely ridiculous. I could personally, me, I couldn't lead anything. I couldn't organize anything. Ask my wife. I can't organize a darn thing. Okay, I can run my mouth. If you need somebody to run their mouth, you can call Joe Salon. If you need a street kid for whatever reason, you can call Joe Salon. You know, I can handle those kind of things. All right, if you need some, you need a spokesperson, I'm gifted in that. If you need an activism, I'm gifted in that. I can do those things. But I can't organize nothing. I can't. You don't want me telling people what to do. I can be that coach, I guess. You know, firing people up before the game or whatever. But you won't. You don't. You don't. You don't want me telling people what to do, man. You, you want me just basically bringing it. And you know, it's if 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 it's not the priesthood of all believers. If I okay, put it this way. If I'm in charge of anything, if it's not the priesthood of all believers, if there aren't people above me, it's going to flop. <laughs> That's for sure. That is for sure. Uh, I am under no uh, delusions. I do very, very, very few things well. And doing something like organized conferences and strategic things, you're going to be on this block, on this block, with all that. Heck no. Hey, let's go out there and I got my sign. <laughs> you know, hey, how does my Facebook Live work? Somebody, hey, I, you know, it's like the first time I worked a smartphone every single time. So, yeah, you, you don't... Um, you don't want me trying to, don't think I'm trying to usurp, lead, or do anything, or don't think really, nobody at Recon Radio. Recon Radio, look, you know, we're just kind of like that old, you know, New York City rapper. We're looking, we're watching the streets, we're seeing what's going on, we're writing it down in our rap notebook, you know, we're telling people about it, and things like that. We're just like the word on the street, kind of. We're just the rebels in the cave, if you will. The rebels against tyrants, if you will. The smashers against the power religion, because if we do it, if we take down the power religion, and if people like us are taking down the power religion, nobody, nobody will ever give us any credit. They will say, look, just like Deborah needed a miracle to judge Israel, <laughs> that was a miracle. That indeed was a miracle. And all glory, power, and praise would be unto the Most High God. Straight up. Um, I got to end with a personal note of apology. So, um, as, uh, as, you know, I'm fine on the mic with a camera. Uh, that's just, I, I do it okay. But when I get involved in the uh, online debates and discussions, I, I you know, I, I, I need to be in it because we need the manpower. I have I have the, the stuff up here, I think, to be able to do the stuff. But when I get in, for some reason, the filter just goes off and you just see the street kid and you read stuff back. Well, I think it's just like, I'm just talking, to, I'm talking trash on the basketball court to somewhere I could slap their hands later and stuff like that. You know, I don't even know the big deal with, you know, like unfriending somebody. I don't even know the whole Facebook group. I figure, you know, you unfriend people who are like fighting against you and then I guess you can get back together or, or you know, whatever. But you just don't block anybody but really racist tennis or like real sick, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I don't know. You know, whatever the case may be, you know, but um, no excuse, no excuse. As uh, you know, I was rocked by something that uh, that I saw a friend do uh, this last week, you know, related to what we're talking about. And, um, you know, it influenced my attitude in uh, in these written discussions that we've had on a few threads online and uh, uh, toward, you know, a few couple brothers and sisters in the abolitionist movement and the online discussion. I thought I was just, you know, showing, you know, swag and I'm going to get, I'm going to hit a bully in the mouth, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Well, it's just inappropriate. You know, it's um, I I must repent for letting my anger out in um, those discussions. If if anybody needs me to name a few names uh, that were the target of it, uh, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Uh, I be I'm, I'm happy to do so. I don't think it's you know I don't want to put their name in in this, but I'm happy to do so later and to uh, publicly uh, repent and apologize. Um, you know, for uh, for letting Joe Salant get in the way of the message. And it's not that every rough talk on Facebook is bad. It's just that when I went back and read that stuff and when my wife read it back to me and I saw a comment by a, a abolitionist, Jill Robinson looked at it and she was like, this is like a bunch of kindergartners arguing. And it's like, nobody wants that. You know, nobody wants that. Now, there, it, I, and I know the spirit that was in my head and my heart. It's like, it was pop a bully in the mouth. It, it wasn't, it wasn't bring the truth, ethical, judicial line. It was kind of my own version of power religion there. And so I must repent. I must repent of that and my behavior um, in those discussions. And I'm committed to to working at it and to getting better in my written form of communication. And, uh, yeah, sure. There was a lot of righteous indignation there, but you know, if you go to those threads and you saw what's up in the abolitionism chat and the way that, you know, hey, I'll be outside of that conference with my son, come see me, you know, that is just, you know, there's no room for that. Um, you know, not with all that's at stake, uh, right now, you know, um, I don't want to push people. This is so important that Joe Salant's, you know, that that can't get in the way. You know, this uh, I imagine there's opportunities where a New York street kid might might be service uh, serviceable, you know, uh, in some 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 occasions. Maybe that's, you know, needed. But this certainly wasn't one. And, um, you know, I let myself get in the way of how this talk specifically would be received. And I most certainly repent and uh, most uh, most certainly apologize and I am uh, very, very embarrassed uh, for letting the team down uh, with that. Um, and uh, I don't take it lightly. And I will make sure that uh, that I don't that I don't do that. I, I, we don't we don't have the manpower. We do not have the resources uh, to spare to cover up Jocelyn, you know, acting like that. Um, you know, so it is it is it is what it is. So re recipients of my apology, you know who you are. If you're looking at it, you know, somebody tell them, you know, uh, repent, apologize, so on and so forth. You know, uh, and hey, repent with us. Um, down, it's either the power religion or the power or the uh, religion of ethics. This has been a uh, war room presentation. The uh, first blast of the trumpet uh, against uh, the power religionists. Thank you for joining us in the war room. Please enjoy The Nation's Rage, Psalm 2, by my soul among lions. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, 
then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio podcast network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.